Welcome to Tough on Art, the podcast for artists interested in ways to get ahead in today's art market. I'm Jen Tuff, owner of Jen Tuff Gallery and the Artist Alliance community. Join me for some down-to-earth talk about the best ways for artists to navigate this new and different landscape. Hey guys. Hello. How is everybody on this Sunday evening, early evening? Um, I hope good. I'm Jen Tuff. Um, welcome to another uh, workshop, live workshop, and today is Gallerist Q&A. So before we get started and while we kind of wait for some of the um, stragglers to come in, please tell me where you're from. Hi, Lita. I know where you are. You're outside Seattle. Carryville, Texas. Terry. Judith from Sacramento. I know you, Judith. Woodside, San Francisco Bay Area, Denise from San Francisco, Julie Snydel from Fairhope, Alabama. Hi, Julie. I I I I hope you enjoy this. I'm glad I'm glad to see you here. Um, Berkeley, of course, love Berkeley. Vancouver, Canada, more San Francisco, Mill Valley, New York City. I missed the name. Christine, I think, from New York City. Who else is on here? Uh, oh, now it's going so fast. Pennsylvania. Vallejo, Menlo Park, Pacifica, Petaluma, Marin, Mill Valley, beautiful Mill Valley, Seattle, another Seattle, another Vancouver, Vancouver Island, okay, Santa Rosa, Atlanta, Georgia, Kat Tesla, how are you, Overton, Texas, and there's Dee Tivenin, hello Dee Tivenin, She's like the Artist Alliance star. She's the most supportive, friendly person in the Artist Alliance. Um, so hello, everybody. I'm super glad you're here. Thank you for spending an hour with me. Um, it means a lot. I have, look at this super cool, look how pretty this is. Isn't that gorgeous? I got this at Trader Joe's and it took like two days to bloom. They're all bulbs. Can you see that? Totally gorgeous. Portland, Oregon. Sonoma, Los Angeles. Oh, Los Angeles. That's my, that's my heart. I lived there most of my life. Santa Cruz. Um, okay. So welcome to um, Gallerous Q&A. I'm Jen Tuff. Um, I owned uh, Jen Tuff Gallery. I still do, even though I don't have a brick and mortar right now at the moment. Um, and so I started the Artist Alliance, which a lot of you guys are members of. And the cool thing about the Artist Alliance is we do a lot of um, juried exhibitions and artists make 100% on every sale. And when we had our small work sale recently, there was a lot of sales, um, a ton. So that's a really cool um, benefit um, for you know being members of the Artist Alliance. And then we're also gonna start doing second Sunday critiques. So I'm gonna be leading that. So that's kind of cool, that's a new thing. And then the big news we had this week is that we got a new iOS app. So that's really cool. So now everything that happens in the community, you can see on your phone if you have an iPhone. Um, and also the other cool thing, really exciting that my husband and I started a podcast. How great is that? Um, so it's called Tough on Art. So why not use your name if you have a super weird name like I do, like Tough. Um, so it's called Tough on Art and you can get it on Spotify, iTunes, all the usual places. We only have a few uploaded on there, um, but we're gonna be building the library. So please subscribe. If you're not sick of hearing my Ohio voice, my super Ohio nasally voice, 
<laughs> then um, please subscribe or like it or whatever. Lita said she subscribed. Yay, thank you, Lita. Um, that's awesome. Um, we're really excited about it. So we'll see how it goes. So I got a ton of questions. If you guys didn't know, you probably do that, you know, you can submit questions beforehand. And I got a ton. I think there's over 400 people um, on this webinar tonight. Um, I didn't get that many questions, maybe 200, something like that. So I whittled them down, whittled, whittled them down to, um, to ten, nine or 10, um, which seems like very little, but they were ones that were the most common, like the questions that I saw repeated over and over. So hopefully it'll benefit the most, uh, the most people here, um, the most artists. So let's go ahead and dig in. So question number one is from Lita. So Lita, I guess, is the artist of the night tonight. Um, and this is a super common question that everybody wonders, how do galleries find artists? Um, there's lots of so many different ways. So here I have um, a list, not in order of importance, except for relationships. Relationships or building relationships with a gallerist is the most important part, but it's also only part of the equation. Galleries also find artists on Instagram. They find artists um, through other exhibits and shows. So there was a lot of questions also about people entering group shows and wondering like, you know, geez, I spend all this money entering these shows, what's the point? It's a great way to get your name in front of the juror if they juror you into a show. Um, that's a, It's a wonderful way to do that. Um, other shows that you could be in, um, whether they're you know juried or not, are, are a wonderful way for gallerists to find artists. Um, shows they jury, like I just mentioned, art fairs is another, we're gonna touch on that again towards the end. Um, that's a fantastic way to see artists. There's some art fairs that, um, quite a few that I'm going to give you a list towards the end that allow in artists as exhibitors without a gallery. And it's a fantastic way to get your name out there, repeat exposure um, to gallerists. Um, and that's when you're exhibiting, not, um, you know, if you go up to a gallerist while they're exhibiting. I'm talking about when you're exhibiting at an art fair. Um, recommended from other gallerists, curators, and artists that they may know. One of the best ways to get to know an artist or discover, you know, a new artist you might not have heard of before is artists will, you know, tell the gallerist that they have a relationship with already, oh, hey, you should check out this person's work. It's really amazing. Um, I have artists many times who I work with repeatedly and they'll tell me, oh, if you like this work, you're going to really like this person because they're really cool and I think you're going to like their work. That's a really wonderful way for gallerists to um, discover new artists. Um, and they also could be recommended by other galleries, other gallerists chat. Um, sometimes even if maybe uh, for, for whatever reason, the artist can't be with that gallery anymore. And so a gallerist might talk to another gallerist friend that they know like, oh, you might like so-and-so and, you know, I'm not able to carry them for whatever reason, but um, so that's another way. Curators, um, anyone, any kind of arts professional. Um, the other way is through media like magazine articles or podcasts or blogs online. And the magazines can be online or in print, um, you know, just any kind of media. That's a way that gallerists find artists. Um, and, but most importantly, get to know them from repeat exposure. That's, that's probably the most common way that I have found artists is 
it's a combination of some or all of the above. And, you know, when the world opens up again and you guys can start going to art openings, that's a great way to, you know, to, to meet an artist or a gallerist and keep that relationship going. And then it's a great way for the gallerist to get to know you. Um, social media is, you know, pretty much all we have right now. But, um, you know, that's another way that gallerists discover artists if they, they build a relationship through social media, through commenting and things like that. But usually, you know, it takes a relationship with an artist repeated times, like maybe they're in a group show. Um, and then, you know, the, an artist who's in a group show, you, you see them in other, in other ways. Maybe you see them on a podcast, you see them on Instagram. Um, I've, I found a couple of my artists on Instagram, um, but it always has to go with a combination of things. Like, artists don't get just discovered on Instagram and then that's it. Like there has to be all these other things in place, like a good relationship with, with, with the gallerist. Um, you know, they seem easy to work with. They seem professional, things like that. So um, the most important thing that I say to artists all the time is, you know, the art world works on relationships and um, you know, it isn't just a one-off kind of thing if you're going to have a relationship with a gallerist or if a gallerist is to discover an artist. There's always tons of things that go into play, but this is usually the first way um, that galleries might find artists that are interesting and then pursue a relationship with them. But repeat exposure is the, is the best thing. And we're going to touch on that a couple times, and I've touched on this in other uh, workshops that you know, people's attention these days is so limited that you really have to introduce yourself to that person, you know, over and over again in a whole, in as many different ways and, you know, and keep doing that. Like it, you can't just do it once and then think people are going to remember you. You can't meet a gallerist at a, um, you know, at an opening and then think that they're going to remember you. You have to have repeat exposure over and over again. So let's keep going. Question two is from Deborah Weiss. Um, she asks, what is the best way for an artist to recoup their framing costs when working with a gallery? With a 50-50 split on the total work with frame, the gallery still makes more money than the artist. The artists have to deduct the framing costs from their 50%. Is it okay to ask the gallery owner to deduct the framing costs for the artist before the 50-50 split? And she's saying this is mostly for works on paper in the $500 to $2,000 range. So my short answer is no. It's not okay to ask a gallerist to pay for the framing or deduct it or even split it from the cost. However, if you have, if you're um, represented by that gallery and or they've asked you specifically to frame the work for a specific show and maybe they wanted it framed really expensively, then of course, that's the opportunity to open the door and say, and have a conversation about it. But if you're just in a, if you're in a group show and, you know, you paid for this really expensive framing and that was a choice that you made without the gallerist being part of that choice, then it's not really fair to ask them to pay for the framing. Um, the framing, you know, is really kind of considered part of the expenses for materials that an artist you know, chooses to take on because there's so many different ways you can frame things. I mean, I know framing is insanely expensive. 
Um, but it's also, you know, it's a choice that an artist makes to, you know, to frame their work. And I think it's important to do that. I've, I've mentioned in other workshops that I think it's really important to frame your work, but it doesn't have to be framed extremely expensive. I mean, I, I'm totally fine with like nice Ikea framing if it's, you know, if it's done well and not kind of ratty and stuff. Um, there's plenty of different ways that you can, that you can do it without it really breaking the bank. I know custom framing can be insanely expensive, but unless the gallerist asked you specifically to do that and have really expensive framing, it's really not okay to ask them to do that, unfortunately. Um, my kind of example of it that I put here is like, if you're, um, if let's say you're a shoe manufacturer, you make, you make tennis shoes um, and you're in a super competitive market with obviously tennis shoes or athletic shoes are really a competitive market. Would it be wise to ask the stores the few stores that carry your work already um, to pay for the laces and the shoe boxes? Probably not, right? Probably the, um, you know, the store would be like, well, I've got like 500 other, you know, shoe manufacturers who aren't asking me to do that. So I'm more likely to do business with them. So when you're, you know, as an artist and you're in a very competitive, extremely competitive, and it's gonna be more competitive you know, after COVID, because there's going to be so many shutdowns with with galleries, um, to ask, you know, to to essentially lower the gallery's commission, um, it's not going to sit right really with them. Um, so my solution for that, because I know that I know it's a huge expense, and I know that you know it can seem unfair, um, but to price your work so you can recoup those framing costs. So make sure that you set your pricing in such a way that your 50% is a little bit higher to, you know, to cover that framing. And that's, that's totally normal and totally standard. I do that for my artists in the gallery all the time. If they had spent a certain, you know, a ton of money on the framing, that definitely goes into consideration for the price. So hopefully, you know, you can, if you're setting your prices on your own, you can do that, or you can work with the gallery to, you know, to bump the prices up to cover that, um, you know, to cover expensive framing. Or the other option is, is sell directly and you earn 100%. Then you can even, you know, lower your pricing. So if you're not giving the 50% to a gallery that, and, you know, some galleries now are asking 60%. And I think that's going to become more of the norm because of COVID, um, which is awful. That's another bite, right? Um, but if you sell directly, then, you know, you can even price it lower and still recoup your framing costs. So that would be my suggestion. Um, I know it's a bite. I mean, framing and shipping are two of the, you know, besides rent, are two huge, you know, expenses that are not fun. So, okay, question number three is from Ellen Bergen. And she says, I am wondering what you think about art fairs. I love this question. Have you participated in or visited any you, you especially like? I'm asking because I'm considering applying for one for myself as I feel like this would be a good way to meet gallerists and other artists in my city and maybe make some sales. Any insider tips are much appreciated. So I love art fairs. I think artists are artists doing art fairs is a fantastic way to not only meet gallerists, but meet other artists and get your name out. Um, this is such a huge topic to cover that I thought that I would do a workshop in the future just about that. So, so stay tuned because I really think that after COVID that art fairs are gonna explode. I think that people are gonna be dying to travel. They're gonna be dying to go out and be in crowds and be in a party-like atmosphere. 
And I think they're just, you know, they're going to go off the charts. I mean, they already sell more art um, than galleries do right now. You know, that was pre-COVID. So after COVID, I think it's just going to go nuts because, you know, people are going to, you know, galleries are going to wonder why I have a brick and mortar when I can go do art fairs. Um, I've done quite a few art fairs around the U.S. I haven't done any internationally, and I've been to a lot. Um, the, my favorite one that I've been to that I didn't show at was Untitled. I think they have some really good fairs. Um, and you guys probably know this already, but fairs definitely have, you know, there's the really important fairs like Basel, um, Untitled definitely sort of shows more cutting edge work. Um, so it's a, it's a great way to see what's kind of not trending, but um, what's going on in the art world with Untitled. Um, so I definitely recommend doing art fairs and I can't wait till they start up again. I think that's going to be fantastic. Um, for artists, there's lots of fairs that allow solo artist exhibitors. And I think that this is really going to shift a lot after COVID that there's going to be more fairs who are going to allow in solo artists or groups of artists and just present it as such. Right now you can get into other art fairs that don't, don't allow in artists and form a collective or form a gallery um, and then they'll let you in. Big secret being basically it's all about the money. If you have the money to exhibit at an art fair, which is extremely expensive, they're not going to ask very many questions <laughs> about if you're a brick and mortar gallery or you know what the deal is. Some of these, some um, of these fairs are, you know, act like, oh, we don't let in solo artists, but you know, you, you, you know, if you're able to come up with $20,000 for a booth, $30,000, $40,000 for a booth, they're going to be giving you a booth. <laughs> um, right now, um, Superfine, Redwood Media, who has a whole string of fairs, the other fair and Startup, they, they all have multiple fairs around the country. They all let in and encourage artists um, being exhibitors at their fairs. And I think that's gonna be definitely more of a common thing. I will tell you also that um, when I've shown at fairs, people really, really, really wanna buy from artists. They do not wanna buy from galleries. And this also depends on the fair. It depends on like the importance and the kind of what the fair is about. Um, in, in more sort of mid-tier fairs, because just like galleries, fairs also have sort of tiers of importance, um, sort of like more average type fairs. Um, you know, buyers are in there looking for art for their homes for the most part. They have a specific spot in their house or their office where they want, a, you know, a certain size work. And they definitely love buying from artists more than gallerists, because I think, for a lot of reasons, but mainly they want that connection to the artist. They know or they think that they're going to be paying more with a gallery than with an artist. Um, they want that story and that connection with the artist and they, and they feel more comfortable doing that. But I think a lot of times people feel intimidated by the art buying process, especially when you're talking about the general public that go to art fairs. So um, selling at art fairs as an artist now is an amazing idea. It's an amazing tool. My recommendation would be to go to the same fair repeatedly every year. Um, Art Santa Fe is a fantastic one. Um, there's, you know, there's the startup fair does one in San Francisco every year. 
um, other fair does repeated ones. They have one in LA. It's a really good idea to do that because I found that fairs that I've done more than one year, people remember me, they come back and they remember me and they're way more likely to buy because buying always involves trust. So the more someone's exposed to you, the more likely they are to buy. So, okay. So I've kind of gone off on that. You can see this is a really huge subject. So, um, Definitely, I think it's something to explore. And I am gonna be doing a workshop on this because there's so much there's so much information to dig into. And I would love to give people like a whole list on, you know, how to prepare, the best way to pack. Like there's all this stuff that the first time I did a fair, I had no clue what I was doing. <laughs> so if I could have somebody help me out and give me, you know, kind of a list of how to would be really helpful. So stay tuned for that in a few months. So question four, I'm gonna have a sip here. Question four is from Patricia Leeds, who says, when submitting a specific work to a gallery that is mixed media and incorporates photographs and encaustic, what should I say the media is? I've heard many folks, folks say, call it mixed media, others say photos and wax, others photography and encaustic, I know many galleries seem to be reticent or reticent or uninterested in showing this media unless they are a photography gallery. I would only submit to galleries that have shown this media in the past. I am also curious why this is so. Can you please explain that this hesitancy? I am including one piece of a new series that I am working on. So let's go ahead and take a look at her piece. So this is her piece here that she's wondering about how to label it um, as far as the you know, the media used and things like that. And this is a question that's come up a lot. Um, and my answer is always just answer, you know, it depends, well, if you're, if it's gonna be in a show, you wanna list all the media that's in it. If you use sparkly paint, if you used crayons, if you used paper, you're gonna, you should write that all in there. If you're entering a show, Sometimes, you know, online, sometimes you don't have the ability to write out every single thing that you put in your mixed media piece, but try. And if you don't have enough room, just put like the top three, okay? Um, that's my suggestion. So the other question, um, photography alone, one of the reasons why um, fine art galleries are, don't show a lot of photography is if it's just printed on paper and there's maybe something that's not quite as, um, you know, stand out-ish about the, the photo piece, it can be difficult to sell. It has nothing to do with the quality of the work, um, but photography alone with, with, you know, that's not mixed media can be difficult to sell. Um, and that's why you'd want to stick with a photography only gallery. But your work here, I don't see it as, I would say it's, it's really mixed media because it's really balanced as far as what media you're using. I mean, this is more of like a collage with an encaustic finish to me. Um, so you could list it as that, but I would recommend listing every single thing because one reason is, is because people find it interesting. They find it really fascinating what's what's in the, the piece. Um, one of my artists, um, John Yogi Forts, he goes into great detail on what's on his paintings. And I love that. And people find that really fascinating. I mean, he does use glitter glue <laughs> and he uses some other stuff and, and it's, you know, that, that are more, that's more unusual. So I would, um, you know, I, I, I would, I would put that in there anytime you have a chance to do that. Um, as far as encaustic and any time kind of hesitancy about encaustic, 
it can be really hard to to manage and and ship because it's so easily scratched or damaged or whatever. So there there can be some hesitancy about encaustic. I stopped carrying encaustic when I would do art fairs because um, it would just you know make me super nervous that someone would scratch it or whatever um, or you know it would get damaged in shipping. Um, you know, getting it there, it's, you know, it's, it's kind you know, it's, it's a little fragile. So um, that's, I think that's the only reason people would be hesitant about that. But yeah, I would recommend, you know, listing all of the media that you're using, um, because it's, it's, it's interesting, people enjoy that. They like reading about it. So question five is from Rebecca Bangs. I love that last name, by the way. Um, she says, I'm working on a master's in studio arts for my own edification. I'm currently leaving the door open to continue for an MFA. I know that while folks know about MFAs, MAs seem to have less cachet with the general public. Should I be concerned about this? Is there any other reason to push for an MFA if I have no plans to teach? Okay, it's a great question and definitely people ask that a lot. Um, and my answer would be, um, in general, galleries prefer MFAs over MAs. So I'm not really sure that the general public would, would know the difference between an MA and studio art and an MFA. Um, I know that the MA and studio art is probably, the difference between that and an MFA are probably pretty small. But if you have an MFA on your resume, it's a huge plus. Um, and why is that? You know, why that doesn't mean that artists that don't have an MFA, you know, are bad or they're not going to be looked at or things like that. Um, that's not it at all because, you know, there, but there are some galleries who only show artists with MFAs. There's a lot. There's, um, you know, it can't hurt. It's, it's, it's such a huge plus. So in your position, if you have the option or the opportunity to go for an MFA instead of an MA, I would highly recommend that because it definitely does say something to galleries that, you know, an artist that has an MFA, it, it, it's a huge plus. And, and why? It's because um, people who have MFAs generally, not all the time, can focus more on their voice as an artist They've they've spent you know two years clarifying their vision. Um, they 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 a lot of times are much um, better at uh, explaining and verbalizing their process, their mission, their statement. Um, you know they've spent a lot of time sorting these things out, and a lot of you know two years of you know at least eight hours a day focusing purely on their work, um, and that I think is the great benefit. Of having an MFA. They've really been able to, you know, to invest their time and energy for a very concentrated, highly focused period of time. And, you know, usually come out the other end knowing their work, understanding themselves as an artist, and having a very um, much better firm sort of vision and grasp on their work and why they make what they make. And as a gallerist, that's that's really beneficial because um, they've worked all those things out in a sense. Um, you know, they've sort of accelerated all of that. What maybe would take 10 years in a, and you're working on your own in a studio and sort of compressed it down to two. So that's that's the benefit of it. And it, it you know, it's you've completed something. It's a degree where degrees are always important, right? Because somebody finished something, they've completed, they've accomplished 
you know, all of these things. So if you have the opportunity to go for an MFA, I would say definitely go for it. Definitely. Thank you so much for listening and supporting this podcast. Your support means everything. If you'd like to learn more about the Artist Alliance community, send me a question or learn about other events or projects coming up, please visit my website at www.gentuff.gallery. See you next time.